Did you miss us? FT Live is back in what year is it? Anyone? 2024? Okay, cool. Happy New Year, people. We are back. It felt like we've been gone forever. It only been about a week. Braun, Kratz, Przinsky. We got the big hitters today. Ken Rosenthal is going to join us pretty soon. And Tony Maserati will make his FT Live debut to talk about the Red Sox state of pitching. Um, and David O'Brien later on the brave side of the Chris Sale trade, which we'll get to in a sec. Happy New Year. AJ, why don't you kick us off back from international waters? How you doing, dude? I am tired. I got home about an hour ago <laughs> from 30 hours of travel. 30? So, well, yeah, we left it. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. A long time ago. And yeah, when do you know, technical difficulties on a plane aren't always good. So, you know. <laughs> Missed connectors, spending nights in random places. Yeah, it was it was a fun trip. Okay, we'll allow you to get some sleep this evening, perhaps, unless the rest of the free agents sign in the next, I don't know, 12 hours. But Kratz, we still got about half the dudes left on the board, if not more, of like the top 40. So you missed a little. You didn't miss everything. But I will say the front offices did not let their people chill during the past week, at least some of them. You know, I was. it's not like there was a ton that happened, but... It was not a total chill out session. There's probably about five to 10 moves that are worth pointing out that we'll get to in a sec. Especially if we see those moves, I'd like to know how much was actually going on behind the scenes. There had to be somebody that was like, dog, just, just call me later. Like I'll, I'll be here. You call me, just call me January 2nd and we'll, we'll start the negotiations up again. Like not everybody wants to do stuff over Christmas, especially when you're, when you're crushing spread, like a, like a rookie that just got called up. Easy. And AJ, did you? Is it the first time you've ever flown one year and then gotten there the next year? Because if you were flying for thirty hours, <laughs> you could have left. Depending on where you were, you could have left in twenty three and gotten there in twenty four. Uh, no, because we left January first, so we left after New Year's. It's January second, they crashed. January second of this year or of last year. Mm-hmm. See, you're tired. You don't even remember. Oh, I know what January you're saying. First, you left on the first. Arrived on the second. Yes, brilliant math. I'll I'll um, finish with this one because I'm still in Argentina right now doing a show. And so for all the players who complain sometimes about their Wi-Fi, stop it. We've been in multiple countries doing shows and we're fine. They need to figure it out. Um, but oh, players... I did a show from a cruise ship. In the yeah, middle you were on a ship. I mean, in the middle of the ocean. So let's 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 slow our roll on the internet. Can't work trick. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying I mean, 2024. Shohei Otani had technical difficulties after he won the MVP to do a press conference. I mean, come on. That's you my New Year's ship. resolution. 2024, everyone get cleaner internet. Thank you. Um, Bob Nightingale, why don't you kick us off with our first tweet of the new year? Happy New Year. Spring training starts in six weeks. Let's go. A lot of dudes are nervous. They don't know where they're going with their fans for spring training. But we'll get there. I hated this. I hated this time of year. As a player, I was excited about baseball. If you're not baseball. signed, you're saying. What's that? If you're not signed or even if you're signed? Even if I'm signed. Because you just had all the Christmas, all the hoopla. Now you're like, wait a minute, I got six weeks. And for me, I would always go seven to ten days early to spring training. And I'm like, oh, man, like you have to finish everything that you need done at the house in the next month to five weeks. And it just felt like it was like, 
uh, January 1st, January 2nd was always a day. So for me to see that six weeks, I'm excited as a fan, but I still have that feeling of like, there was times I didn't have a place to live yet. And I'm not, you know, I'm not able to shell out 10 grand a month to just find a house anywhere you want. So it was, and I didn't want to live in the hotel with my family. So it was, it was a, it took me about a week until then I was like, okay, I got everything. I got my schedule going. I know exactly what's going to happen for the next month. I'm going to get everything done and enjoy the time at home. And then it's really time to go. <laughs> Agreed. I showed up the day before the last second because <laughs> I hated spring trading. <laughs> I would show up the last possible second I could show up. You didn't was, even make the team. You know what was funny is I used to always remember the year Manny didn't show up until like the mandatory reporting date. I was like, what if I just did that? I just showed up the mandatory, whatever. It was always like March 1st. What if you miss like the first like 12 days of spring training? We're like, yeah. I think we guys. should do that. I think they should do that for a player like you. I think they should do that. I had to show up. People were like, oh, you can't make the team your first day, all that stuff. If I didn't show up, because I was going to probably start the first day of camp. If I didn't show up and I couldn't throw the ball down to second base at my peak potential, then they're going to be like, oh, we'll never call this guy up in May, in June from AAA. But I, I honestly think they shouldn't have – the stars show up to spring training yet because it can't shrink spring training. You still need all those games, but I don't think, I don't think the big dogs need to show up for a week and a half. I would have been all for that. that would, I'm still all for that shrinking it down, but we'll, we'll table that. We'll get to well, it. Listen, day. The owners make too much time. money off spring training. They don't pay anybody in spring training. They don't pay players in spring training. So all the money they make, all the revenue they generate, all goes right in their pocket. They, all the people that show up to these games, they don't pay the players, man. It's crazy. It's like the biggest racket going that no one talks about. Also, they don't pay for those ballparks for the most part. The towns and cities do. So they need to give them their time since they gave them their tax dollars. We'll get to more of that at another time. Let's charge the damn mound. Powered by Tisa. No nicotine, no tobacco. Check it out. TeaseEnergy.com. We'll give you a discount code on the back end of this. There it is on the bottom. You want to start with Chris Sale? Was that the most surprising move, maybe, in the last week or so? No, I think no, that was the probably the most Red surprising. Sox, yeah, Red Sox sending a message that they'll take on Lucas Giolito, but they need to clear some money, and they do. So the Braves pick up the seven-time All-Star in a trade with the Red Sox. Just one prospect goes back. A prospect I like, a guy who's been on the show multiple times, Vaughn Grissom, um, infield prospect. He was working on some outfield action this offseason, too, and they send some money back. And Sal had to waive his no-trade clause, which I'm sure he was happy to do to go to ATL. So is this it for you? Let's start with the Atlanta side, AJ. Is this it for you if the Braves pretty much wrap up their offseason right now? And there's the money, by the way. $27.5 million in 2024. He's got a 20 mil club option, which they're obviously not going to pick up or not likely to pick up. Boston sends $17 million to Atlanta as part of the deal. So if you look at the math, it's about $10.5 million dollars this coming season for Chris Sale. I like that move if he stays on the mound and can stay healthy. I mean, if you look at what guys were getting in the offseason here, I, I think he would have gotten probably around that range, if not a little bit more. So your thoughts on the Atlanta side first? Because it seems like Braves fans are like, this cannot be it yet. We need more. What else do they need? Their, their lineup is set. Their bullpen is pretty much set. Their starters now with Sale. I mean, if you go Strider, Freed, Sale, Elder... Morton, it's 
pretty good Lopez, five, right? What, what the hell Lopez. else do they want? If Sale is healthy, listen, this is going to be a great deal for the Braves if Sale is healthy. And Scott, just because you said, oh, they won't pick up that option, we just saw Lucas Giolito almost sign for $20 million a year. A healthy Chris Sale or Lucas Giolito, who's better? Sale. Well, then there you go. I mean, then it's not a foregone conclusion. They're not going to pick up his option. I think, I think this is a great sign for Atlanta. They got nothing but upside. He's missed like almost like four years in a row now. I mean, Chris, poor Chris. Um, you know, if he stays healthy and he does what he's supposed to do, which is be a lefty, and even if he's not the Chris Sale, like 12, 13, 14, 15, but he's just a better-than-average left-handed pitcher, this is a big pickup for the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. This guy, I mean, we're, we keep talking about the Dodgers here. Dodgers added a guy that just for the first time threw more, threw more innings than Chris Sale. The Dodgers, you know, Yamamoto – isn't going to make all his starts. So for the Braves to pick up a Chris Sale for $10 million, the competitiveness that he brings, the fact he's won a World Series, he's to me, he's a guy that fits in anywhere if you're looking to win, and the Braves are looking to win. But for me, like the $10 million for him, that is a steal. I, I don't I don't understand. Like even if he only gives you 20 starts like he did last year, which I don't think he's going to, like this guy wants to be out there. He might give you a four, four and a half ERA like he did last year with the chance of Chris Sale kind of returning and being a three, three and a half guy. And then you're looking at the dude strikes out more, you know, over one batter an inning. So I just, I just, I love what the Braves are doing. They even, they've added to an already good lineup with just depth. They've added to an already good rotation with depth but not just like kind of minor league depth they've added quality depth with jared kelnick with chris sale in the rotation like and that's what they needed like they didn't have somebody wouldn't you have loved to have gone into postseason last year with freed kind of how he was coming in i think he was sick before or no he had the finger thing that's what it was it was sick the year before being able to slot in as number three or if Morton is healthy, you can throw Sale in the bullpen to cover three innings. I mean, he closed out the World Series in 2018. I, I love everything about this move for, for the Braves. They just keep hitting all the right buttons. And Alex Anthopoulos has been very crafty with the way that they're handling money. I mean, for many teams across baseball, they've been looking to cut payroll. Or if they're going to make a move, they have to cut from somewhere else. So let's show Dave O'Brien's tweet, and he's going to join us later about this. He said the Braves assume the contract when they trade for sale, which means the $10 million that was to be deferred until 2039 from his upcoming salary is still going to be deferred, okay? So the cash outlay for ATL with the deferred amount and the $17 million coming from Boston is $500,000, which is less right. than the MLB minimum salary. Did that make sense? Yeah, can just I didn't, ask, yeah. Can I just ask, what are the Red Sox doing? I know they're trying to cut money, but they sent $17 million. I mean, I guess they saved $10 million, not really. So they basically just didn't want Chris Sale around? No, they I mean, saved they, 10 and change. What are you talking about? They signed Yeah, but not until 2039. It's still money. Yeah. I mean, but that's 15 years from now, Scott. I mean, $10 million in 15 years with the way you know things are going, that could be like $5 in your pocket. So, I mean, I don't know. It, it just seems like, what are the Red Sox doing? Not only do they 
fail Chris Sale, like if David O'Brien's math is right, which I'm guessing it is, I mean, they're paying him 500000 for this year, and the Red Sox go out and sign Lucas Giolito for a two-year, almost $40 million. Like, that's great for Lucas, but, man, that seems like, what are they doing? They're trying to cut costs, but then they're trading away a guy that's basically – you know, making nothing for him this year, you know, by, by the way they, I don't know. It just, it's, it's, it's a weird way to operate if you're the Boston Red Sox and you know why the Red Sox fans are so aggravated by it. And they really like Vaughn Grissom. Maybe they listen to Alex Anthopoulos talking about him as like this hitting superstar. Which Except he, had no, he has no position. He couldn't make the Braves last year. Well, you don't have spots to fill on Atlanta. Where are you going in the infield? Yeah, shortstop was where he was supposed Austin to play. Riley's there, of course. He's not big right. league shortstop. Fair, not a big league shortstop. You okay, so where does he go? Where does he go in Boston? Second. Yeah, they're going to move he goes Story to, back. He goes to, to second. Story to short. Yeah. yeah, that's what that's what Breslow said. Breslow said he's going to be our opening day second baseman. I I think it's and I also think another great thing that the Braves did. This guy didn't have a spot on the Braves, and. Not saying that they were just trying to get rid of him. They wanted to get something for him, but they did him a solid for, you know, allowing him to go and play somewhere that he was wanted. That was a great play by DJ Stewart right there, by the way. But I, I just, I'm, yeah, I'm just constantly impressed by Alex Anthopoulos and the stuff that he's, it's very much outside of the box. Compared to compared to what everyone else is doing, like oh, we can't find any hitters, we can't find a second baseman. Well, you know, we have we have extra, we we have what we need. We're adding to our depth. I mean, listen, I like Von Grissom as a player, and I think he's got a chance to be a good player. But you know, he's got two hundred thirty big league at bats. He came on. Let's not forget, he came on like a house of fire and kind of cooled down the first year, twenty twenty two. If you remember, I know he's only twenty two, going to be twenty three years old, but. You know, last year, OPS plus 78. I mean, it was only an 80, 75 at-bats, but still, I mean, I don't, you know, it's like, okay, I I get it, but it just seems like, again, and he doesn't really have a position. I know he's going to be there every day, second baseman, and and, and again, I hope Vaughn Grisham does great. It just, I don't know, Chris Sale for Vaughn Grisham straight up and giving a bunch of money to me, seems like the Red Sox just kind of just wanted to bail on Chris Sale at this point. Yeah. I don't. I don't get it. That's I, the only thing I don't understand is maybe is there's some kind of like CBT that there's some some kind of tax something that is being eliminated to keep them under. Like I don't know how this. How does that 17 million that the Red Sox are sending to the Braves? How does that go against their CBT? And I I don't know how to read that, find that, any of that stuff. I, I just think they a are giving up on Chris Sale, who only has one year left. The contract has been an utter disaster. Chris would say that himself. They just signed Giolito. You would hope that they're going to do more on the pitching side, as that's what Craig Breslow said, and the Red Sox desperately needed better pitching last year. They didn't even have a dude that posted 160 innings. That's part of why, at the very least, you pick up a guy in Giolito who's been very durable. They must really like Vaughn Grissom. And you do get a player in Grissom who you now have control of for a long time. And if you plug him in there and think that he's going to be an above average bat, which is certainly potentially there, they're starting to develop a really nice young position player core. So just presenting the other side here. Let's table it because we'll get some more Boston talk coming up pretty soon with Tony Maserati. So um, 
Giolito, two years, $38.5 million. Uh, we'll get to that with him coming up in just a second. Can I sneak one in? I want to jump down a little bit to uh, to the Mitch Garver move. Two years, $24 million bucks. Um, and that one was on the 24th, by the way. Sneaking in a little. Mm, fam's going to be annoying at Christmas. Let me lock in $12 million a year for a two-year period, which for Mitch Garver is a massive haul in terms of money. It's a guy who has been a great bat the last several years, but hasn't been paid like that before. Hasn't kept himself healthy at the catcher position. I don't think he's going to catch much with Cal Raleigh, who's one of the more durable catchers. And they did acquire Sebi Zavala um, in the trade with the Diamondbacks. So you plug in Garber for your DH spot. It's a team that struck out too much and still needs more impact bats and pop. I like this move to try and start winning back some favor from the fan base Kratz, because if this is all Seattle does on the offensive side, it's a disaster off season, but if they're going to keep plugging away at the lineup, I like this to plug in at DH. Obviously there's a big injury risk, but I'm a Mitch Garber fan from what I've seen at the plate from him the last several years. He's one of the best four seam mashers in baseball. Mashes the heater, but he's going to fit right in. He strikes out a ton too. Based on at bats, you know, strikeouts per at bat. They didn't, they didn't get away from that. So they, I just, I didn't see him going to Seattle and I thought he would honestly get a three-year type of, you know, some kind of like three years, 40 million type of thing. No, three years, four, three years, 32 million. Sorry, too high, but it's awesome. I, I don't see, I don't see him going behind a dish, but I also, you know, where's he, you know, are they going to be? Are they a team that's in play for like a Reese Hoskins or does this take them out of that? Is there, what, what exactly are they looking for? He's a right-handed pool hitter. He is dead pool. And that stadium is tough to be a right-handed pool hitter. You can hit some balls out to right center, right field, pool lefties, some oppo, but you got to get on it. But they saw him a lot too in the division Him playing for the Rangers. I am. I feel like they have to do a lot more. I didn't think they were going to do anything, so I guess this is good that there is a there is a pulse in Seattle, and it's not all just trading you for me. I mean, something's better than nothing. Mitch Garver's a nice player. He's not going to catch a lot. He hardly caught in Texas. You know, DH. He's a DH strictly. Does it take him out of Reese Hoskins? Absolutely, because Reese Hoskins, they already have a first baseman. Ty France is their first baseman, so first is covered. DH is now covered by Mitch Garver. I don't know. I mean, listen, it's something for DePoto. It's something for the Mariner fans to be excited about, but at the end of the day, this doesn't do much for me. It doesn't really – doesn't put him over the top. doesn't really change much. I mean, they basically changed, traded Suarez and Teoscar Hernandez for Mitch Garver. <laughs> Not it. Sabermetric, darling, I will say. Ooh. Who? Uh, for Jerry DePoto. Mitch Garver? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know why? Because he doesn't get overexposed when he plays too much. Because he, if he plays too much, he gets hurt a lot, especially catching-wise. And he mashes lefties, so they always put him in some advantages. And they, and listen, if yeah, sure, that's great for Seattle if you have that ability. But they need dudes that can play 150 games and mash and, and be out there every day. That, that, that Mitch Garver is not that guy for you. Yeah, but if he's a DH, don't you think that helps the cause if you basically say you're not catching at all? He didn't catch no. at all during the playoff stretch, and he only made one start at catcher in September. I'll throw some numbers at you that Jerry's definitely um, drooling about. 
maybe giving them higher than a 54% chance of getting to the postseason. 98th percentile chase rate, 83rd percentile barrel rate, 500 slugging percentage. His OPS plus this year with 100 being league average was 134. That is not even above average or good. That's great. And the DH spot for the Mariners this past season is a 677 OPS. So you are getting a boost if you're plugging okay. in numbers. And that's a, that's a math equation going on over there in Seattle. We know that. So are they going to pick up Jock Peterson to play against to play against uh, righties? Like we talk about pitchers all the time. Pitchers making 30 starts. If you're talking about Mitch Garver as a starting pitcher, he's making like 18 starts. Like he's got – and I know there's injuries in there. And, you know, he's got 344 plate appearances last year. 215, 243. Like, if he is your everyday DH, there's some regression to that OPS+. plus. You're not putting him in against that strong righty. Now, if you get a Jock Peterson type of guy, which, you know, would be a decent platoon slash will throw him in the outfield kind of thing. But I just – I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I feel like you platoon because you have to not because you're finding value, but that's a completely another situ- other discussion. He can hit lefties and righties, though. You're saying platoon because of the injury situation? Like, I mean, he did he have all of his power played. against... Yeah, I understand. I, I think the bet is, okay, he stayed on the field for the most part the last couple months of the season because you took away the position that causes the most injuries in the sport. He's never had more than 311 at-bats in a season. And that's kind of significant. I want this dude to get 500 at bats in a season, but he can't stay healthy. His his record is 102 games. You, you know, that was when he was 27. He's 33 now. I know he's not going to probably catch, but can you keep him healthy? And you can't. You just guys run. tell me this is perfect, though, Kratz. You guys are both catchers. If a guy suddenly completely ditches the position or he's a third string emergency situation Mauer, catcher going to the Hall of Fame. five to ten starts, how much does that help the cause? And Maurer dealt with a ton of concussions, right? How much does it help if a guy suddenly is just going up there for ABs? Come on, that's that's gonna help a ton. The percentage chance of him making many more starts is much higher if he's just a DH. Just throwing that out there. All right. Uh we'll get back to some other moves, some smaller moves. We're gonna go to the Red Sox again. Here in just a second, but first a little reminder. Use discount code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for 20% off your first order at teasaenergy.com. And as Ken Rosenthal's getting checked in, we'll get to him in just a second. Um, the other thing that I think is poisonous is we mentioned the Rays. What about the Orioles, for example? First off, they're flat out better than the Red Sox. It's not even close right now, right? But they also set an example for teams that is now creating jealousy. Their payroll is a joke. It is so low. They're profiting their asses off. And if you're Boston and you're not playing as well, you're looking at them and you're like, those are the teams that I have to give money to. And I'm spending way more than them and I'm not as good as them. Now, I think ownership gets confused and doesn't see that they went through a six-year tanking that you just can't do in a massive market and you really shouldn't be doing anywhere. So just something to keep in mind. You know, I think there are multiple teams that are causing owners to get very lost on what the ultimate goal should be, right? Sure, you want to be profitable, 
But that's going to kind of come baked in within what you're doing anyway, especially if you're a big market team. You can't have it all, right? I think there's big market teams that want to be like, yeah, we'll be like a mid-market in terms of spending, but we'll just rake in the dough. It's just very hard to do that from a consistent basis. Agreed? Yeah, totally. Are you kidding me? Yeah. My, que my question would be how much, how much would a, because he's a Boston fan, how much would a Boston fan need to see them spend? Because they're clearly spending. They've just used the cap as a, or the tax as a cap. And so how much, how much do they need them to spend of that? They got to land a big fish. They got, it's not That's, just the money. It's you like get, the Giants. You, you like got to land a big player, a big pitcher. So let's get to Ken about it. Yeah. Well, let me, before we get to Ken, let me ask this real quick for you guys. Okay. The, 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 you're talking about the Orioles, right? So if the Red Sox went full Orioles and for six years were awful. Okay. Now the Orioles are different because they also hit on like almost every one of their picks, <laughs> right? Not, and it's like the, the Astros did it and the Cubs did it. They kind of ruined baseball because they tanked so bad. And then the Astro, the Cubs did it in 16 and then the Astros obviously in 17. And they won World Series, and then the Orioles did it for forever, and then boom! Now all of a sudden they're good again. They and if they win a World Series, it'll all be worth it, right? But will the Red Sox fans put up with that? The Orioles fans put up with it. Ken, being from Baltimore and understanding the Baltimore fans, I don't see the Red Sox putting up with that. The fans, that is, not the not the organization. The organization's all for it, but the Red Sox fans, they're not going to put up with this. You see, Belichick won how many freaking Super Bowls, and they're shit canning him out the door because he can't win any games. It's the same coach. It's a great way to kick off 2024 with our FT Senior Insider, Ken Rosenthal. What's going on, Ken? We're breaking down the Boston move. So you want to reply to that? And we just had Tony Maserati on as well. AJ's absolutely right. Boston fans would never go for a full tank job. Frankly, no fans should go for a full tank job. And I know fans get conditioned to trust the process and all this. Well, it doesn't always work. Work for Baltimore because, as AJ said, they tanked like crazy and hit on the picks. It takes both. And there are other organizations that have done similar things and it hasn't worked out the same way. So that's for starters, that no one should tolerate that. And hopefully with the draft lottery and some of the other things that have come about in the recent CBA, there will be less of that now. But Boston is in a funny place because they fired Heim Bloom because it seemed that he wasn't fulfilling management's two-pronged strategy. One was to do this affordably or sustainably, however code word they want to use there. And the other was at the same time to build a championship contender. Well, Craig Breslow comes in because while Bloom did the affordable part, the sustainable part, didn't do the championship contender part too well. So here they are. They fire the one guy, bring in the other guy. They're supposedly going to go full throttle as their chairman Tom Werner promised at the start of the offseason. And to this point, they've not done that. Now, I agree. They need one more big move on the pitching side, Snell or Montgomery. And at that point, fans can safely say, okay, that's decent. I, got, I get what they're doing. But while I like the Grissom trade a lot for them, at the same time, they have not been as aggressive as other large market teams. And make no mistake, they are a large market team. I'm with you, Ken. And also, by the way, um, as you're welcome back, many fans saying you look well rested. So that is <laughs> Tell a, them thank you. <laughs> I, I will. That is a big compliment. And a little bit happened, not a ton, but a little bit happened during that little stretch 
So that's the Boston side of things. Just wanted to get your take first off over the past week. What else stood out to you um, that we missed where front offices were supposed to be snoozing a little bit and weren't completely shut down as we saw? The biggest takeaway was the sale trade by far. Mm -hmm. And some of the other moves were interesting. Mitch Garver, Kiermaier, of course. But no one really expected Chris Sale to get traded. He gets traded to a team that needed a starter but was probably thought to be doing bigger things than Chris Sale. And yet the way this deal works for the Braves, it works out really well because they're essentially not paying Chris Sale anything. That money he is owed that is not in the deal. They got $17 million from Boston, but the $10 million he's still owed or ten and a half. Most of it, 10 of the 10 and a half, is deferred until 2039. So Alex Anthopoulos doesn't have to worry about that. He won't most likely be the president of baseball operations in 2039. Also, they give up one player, a good player, Vaughn Grissom, but not multiple players, like you saw go for Tyler Glass now, like will go for Dylan Cease and Corbin Burns if they get traded. And you're essentially trading a guy that was going to be an interesting piece for you, Vaughn Grissom. It's kind of a safety net for Jared Kalanick in left field, but not a necessity. So the real question for Atlanta is, was Sale a big enough or good enough addition, considering, of course, how often he's been hurt in recent years? Now, I love Chris Sale. I'm a Chris Sale fan. He came back kind of nicely last year, even though he missed some time. If it works out, great for the Braves. If it doesn't, they're looking at pitching issues Maybe not just this year, but beyond. Is there a situation where the Braves come out looking like they're the winner of this trade, even if Vaughn Grissom turns into the hitter that Alex Anthopoulos said he's going to be, possibly a batting title champion? The way the Braves win the trade, Eric, is simple. If Sale is good this year, pitches them into the playoffs, starts playoff games for them, and then is good enough for them to pick up his $20 million option for next year and effectively becomes a two-year player for them, then they are satisfied with the trade. And it's a good trade for them. And in some ways, they see Sale as kind of what Charlie Morton was when they got him before the 2021 season. Morton had been hurt the year before, the COVID year, and of course has done great things for the Braves. I'm not sure we can count on Chris Sale to be what Charlie Morton has been for the Atlanta Braves, but if he is, then yes, the Braves will have done quite well. Ken, first time I can ever tell you this, you're wrong, because Scott already said there's no way they're picking up his $20 million option because, you know, <laughs> it's not Chris Sale of old and this and that. Bullshit, Scott. You're wrong again. Um, by the way, <laughs> we'll, next see. Time, we'll see. Next, next time, Ken, you go on vacation, can we get some decorations for wherever the f hell you are behind you? Because that white wall is distracting. And then my real you're question distracted is, by a white wall, AJ? That's interesting. Yes. Normally you're <laughs> in the laundry room defect, or in a closet. Yeah, so, I, so this is a big step for you, Ken. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Which of, the, which of the big free agents left is going to be the next one to sign? Will it be Snell, Bellinger, Montgomery? I mean, I guess maybe Imanaga because doesn't he have a posting time where his time is up after being posted? So which one of these guys do you think will be the next big name to sign? It's hard to say. And what's interesting now about the free agents remaining, the first four names on that list, Cody Bellinger, Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, and Matt Chapman, all represented by the same guy, Scott Boris. And Scott has been known over the years to move at his own pace. Sometimes that's quick. More often, it's deliberate. And in this case, he now has the top of the market, both the position player market and the starting pitching market, 
as well as some other players. Reese Hoskins is also a guy he represents, Sean Manaya. So we'll see how this progresses. I don't know that you can predict it. And it's just going to be really interesting because there are so many teams still. You mentioned the Giants and Red Sox with needs. I would say the Cubs are in that group. I would say the Orioles are in that group, the Blue Jays. We can really go right down the line. The Yankees need another starting pitcher. So with all that demand, I would expect that the remaining players are going to do okay, the good ones, the guys you had on that list. Other than that, we'll have to see. What's going to drop first? The Corbin Burns trade slash, you know, the not Shane Bieber, he's not in that category. It, or is it a free agency signing and then whoever doesn't get the free agents gets the Corbin Burns, Shane Bieber type of level of players? Dylan Cease. Cease also, of course. Dylan Cease, thank group. you. I knew there was yes. one other person. Had a week and off. And don't worry, I was confusing Dylan Cease with Corbin Burns this morning in a text message chain, <laughs> and that was not good. So <laughs> we're all starting a new year. I don't know what happens first, Eric. Certainly with Cease, the White Sox plan has been to wait for the starting pitchers to go, and then if someone's desperate at that point, which someone most likely will be, that's when they're going to make their best deal. Is it possible they make it before then? Is it possible the Brewers get what they want for Corbin Burns? Of course, these things are always possible. But it would seem to me that the trades would most likely, most likely, I don't know for sure, come after Snell and Montgomery. And um, in your mind, Ken, you know, I know right before uh, we got to the new year, we were talking about some teams that still have to make some, some major moves. Uh, we covered Boston, I think, plenty just now. Would the team that pops up the most in your mind still be the Cubs? You think the Giants are going to make major moves at this point? It's kind of the teams we've been talking about looking to strike. I'll throw one more team out there for you, which we'll get to this later with our group. But the Blue Jays bringing in Kiermaier and IKF after the obviously devastating loss for them to not get Shohei Otani. I think there are still high expectations for them to do some damage this offseason. I would agree with that. All of that. And I would even put the Reds in this group. I know they signed Montas over the holidays, but they could still do more. They still have a trade to make if they want to. So this is exactly what we're talking about with regard to the market. A number of teams that would never classify themselves as desperate rather than just looking because they don't want to compromise their leverage. But I would suggest that they're a bit desperate. And the Giants are in that group. The Cubs are in that group. The Blue Jays, to some extent, are in that group. I think the Orioles have to come away with a starter this offseason. They've signed Craig Kimbrell. Not enough. So a number of these teams, and I'm missing some, I'm sure, still have a lot of work to do. And that's what's going to drive this thing as we go forward. One more. What about the New York Yankees? So they come up short on Yamamoto. I don't know if we really went over the aftermath there, but at least had the one rumor pop up that, oh, they don't want to pay for Yamamoto as much as Garrett Cole would get. How dare they? They might insult their ace, Ken. I don't know if you saw that one pop up, but your thoughts overall on where the Yankees are at, because I do think they're still trying to make a major splash as well. Well, actually, Scott, I wrote about that the night Yamamoto signed, the idea of going over Cole and whether that was a deterrent or not. They'll never admit it was a deterrent. I believe it was. And I don't know that it should have been. And if we ask Garrett Cole the question, would you have been bothered by that? 
His public answer probably would have been, no, not at all. I just want our team to win the World Series. But privately, if you're Garrett Cole, what are you thinking? You're thinking this cat has never thrown a pitch in the major leagues and he's getting the most money for a pitcher in major league history, more than I got coming off what I was coming off of in Houston. That might have been a difficult sell. And the Yankees were cognizant of that. I'm sure they were. Now, whether that was why they didn't go to 325, I don't know. But as I wrote, right before I went on vacation, their offer was quite good. It had a higher AAV, $30 million a year. It had more money up front in the first five years of the deal. And then the opt-out after five years. With the Dodgers, Yamamoto's opt-out is after six. So you could argue that while the guarantee, the total, wasn't as high, the deal was in some ways better. Early opt-out, earlier opt-out, and the higher AAV. So the Yankees... Yes, they did not sign Yamamoto, but they certainly made a sincere effort, even without going over Garrett Cole. Ken, a couple questions about some teams. I know we're talking about Garrett Cole and the Yankees, and they have Garrett Cole, and they, they, made, they made the Juan Soto trade. But Otani left the Angels. What do the Angels do? And, and, and the Cubs are the other team for me. What are the Cubs going to do? Because the Cubs are on the – you know, they signed Craig Council on the precipice of allegedly taking the next step. They haven't done anything, Okay. And the Angels, they lose Otani, so they're, they're supposed to have a bunch of money to spend. They still have Mike Trout. They still have Rendon. They still have some pe- younger pieces there. What are What is their plan? Because nobody's, no one's even talking about the Angels, and I know that I know the, the ownership, Moreno, and that is a big deal, but what are the plans for the Angels and the Cubs? Because they haven't done shit. All right, it's going to take me a while to answer this. The Cubs are obviously looking to either re-sign Bellinger or replace Bellinger. Doesn't have to be through free agency, could be through a trade. They also have to replace Marcus Stroman. I don't expect them to re-sign him, but that is another hole in their team. So both of those areas need to be addressed. Their farm system now is at a point where they can possibly make a trade, even two, and still feel relatively good about where they are. I don't know that they want to get sucked into the Boris trap and having to bid up his clients, Bellinger being one of them. So I would expect them to make at least one trade. The Angels are really interesting, as they always are. Now, yes, you're right, AJ. They do have money to spend. And I expect that they are going to spend some more money. Who knows how much? That's Artie Moreno's choice, and that could change any day, for better or for worse. So the way they see their team, they have the nucleus of a good rotation, mostly homegrown. Those guys were really good two years ago, not as good last year. Those players, Sandoval and some of the others, get asked about in trade talks all the time. They also have some pretty interesting position players. The first baseman, Shanuel, the shortstop, uh, Zach Neto, the catcher, Logan Ohapi. These are guys that they feel they can build around. So they're trying to supplement. They've been linked to Teoscar Hernandez. They'll be linked and will be linked to starting pitchers. I do expect them to spend. I do expect them to be relatively aggressive. Obviously, for them to have any kind of success, they need Trout and Rendon to stay on the field, and that hasn't happened. So they're an interesting team, no doubt. I don't know that we can call them a coherent team. We haven't been able to call them that in a while, but I expect them to do some things in the days and weeks ahead. 
Ken, it is great to see you. We have a lot of off-season left to go here, which is kind of nice for January. It's not going to be a boring January by any means. We're sometimes a little quieter. Um, Fair Territory is coming soon, so we'll get some questions, I think, from fans called out a little bit later today. And I also will end with this. The Fair Territory that you did right before um, we got to New Year's still very much applies as it's a good recap of 2023. So it is great to see you. Happy New Year. We'll catch you uh, in a few days. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, Scott. Thank you. Ken Rosenthal with us on FT Live. Great crowd. Appreciate the question. Okay, I want to swing it right to a story that emerged over the last couple of days with really a continuation on what's going on um, with the Rays' best player, who we didn't see at the end of the season. But um, let's get to some news on Wander Franco. And Hector Gomez has been following this pretty closely. He said Dominican prosecutors raided two houses today uh, in DR in search of Franco, who was not present on any of the two houses. And I don't know, I'm not going to try and speculate how all the, you know, the legal ramifications work out there, but we'll kind of go off of Hector first. Um, Source new evidence found in the case of Wander that further implicates him in the accusations that have been made against him of alleged relationships with minors. Um, So that was the day after Christmas, the first tweet that he was reporting that uh, for the search. Um, that they couldn't find him. And then the other tweet was from later that day. And then yesterday, after meeting with prosecutors for about three hours, um, you have this tweet from ESPN. Wanda Franco was arrested Monday in the DR for missing a meeting with investigators regarding allegations of inappropriate relationships with minors. Um, And then a follow-up from Hector Gomez on Wednesday, Wanda will be taken in front of a judge to be arraigned. The prosecutors are expected to ask for Wander to remain in jail with no bail as the process continues. So at least from what we're looking at publicly, this is going from bad to worse. I mean, you have a a major league superstar player with very, very serious allegations who is currently in prison in the Dominican Republic. I don't know how much we can go off of since there's still so much that needs to be made public, but we can comment also on the baseball side of things speculation, but I feel pretty confident in saying that there's almost no chance Wander Franco is playing baseball in 2024. There's much more serious shit to be dealt with if there's any truth to what's going on here, which is freaking terrible. And it doesn't look like everything's necessarily being handled well to get himself to court to represent himself. I think there's been maybe some lawyers changing around too. So if you're the Tampa Bay Rays, you're probably going to be without your major, major player, your your top player. I mean, he's one of the best players in terms of wins above replacement this past season. They're paying him a lot of money, although he won't get paid probably this coming season. So we haven't really touched this much, but it's not like the Rays are going to go out there and acquire some big bat. I, I think there's a chance that the Rays take a step back this coming season, not to mention the fact that Tyler Glass now is now on the Dodgers. Do you guys agree? Would you be surprised if the Rays are not a playoff team this year? I know they prove us wrong pretty often, but I think we're sneaking past the fact that even on the pitching side, I mean, they've done a great job of developing guys. I mean, they have a number of players that underwent Tommy John surgery that were in their rotation that are either coming back later in the year or not coming back at all until the year after. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they weren't a playoff. But we say this about the Rays every year. I mean, but this was their guy. This is the guy they gave the huge contract to. The first one, really, of the Rays that they've said, hey, this is, you know, $100-plus million contract, 
for a long term. They thought this guy was going to be their superstar. And it's a shame what's happened. We don't know. Again, we don't know the whole extent. But, uh, I mean, I really only have one legal question, and you guys may, might know the answer to this. Can the Rays void the contract? They don't have to pay him, right? Can they – is he, like, suspended or is he, like, on the commissioner's exempt list? And the Rays don't have to pay him? Does that count against payroll? Like, there's a lot of baseball questions that I'd love for somebody that knows way more than I do to answer for me. I don't think you can void the contract. I don't think that's ever been a thing. But I they're not going to pay him if he doesn't play. Yeah, but that could be for this coming season. I mean, at some point, like, there is He's a chance. He's in jail. Yeah, currently. But there's a, there's a chance that in the future, it, it could go a number of ways. If, if he doesn't serve any time, if he doesn't actually – get accused of things. Also the legal system down in DR works differently from how it works in the United States. And yeah, I'm not going to act like I'm an expert on that front. Um, you do have a player that was you know, under significant allegations and ended up serving time and then got deported back to, I believe Venezuela in, uh, was it the Felipe Rivero or Felipe Vasquez? Um, so that ended up just being done. I don't, I think they stopped. Yeah, but he didn't have a Wander Franco point. contract. He had a contract though. He had a contract though. And I think that they all went nice away. Little- $17 million contract. Yeah. Now there, uh, the stipulate you, you do have to pay your players. So if you just like say, okay, I'm axing this guy, you have to pay him. But if the league suspends you, then you don't have to pay him. That was kind of the whole, that was kind of the whole Trevor Bauer thing when they suspended him for 300. And I think the first one was 360 some days was how many so that was how many games he got suspended for that got reduced and then they and then the Dodgers were like we're cutting ties with this guy you know no legal action or anything we're cutting ties they paid him Wander who knows if he goes to jail but more importantly for the Rays you allotted this money you allotted this money you can't just go out and spend the money that you the 182 million you allotted on somebody else because Players like this don't come along. This is a this is a 30 stolen base, five and a half war player that was manning the primary position. And you were making your you were making your organization revolve around him. This is different. He did something wrong. Jose Fernandez died, but the Marlins, after he passed away, like he was a central piece of that organization. And organizations have a tough time coming back from losing a superstar. He's a bona fide all-star superstar who was 20, what is he, 22? He's almost 23. March 1st, he'll be 23. That's tough. It's tough for any organization to get past that, let alone a team that doesn't spend $13 million a year on a player for the next 11 years. I just don't see how he – I mean, again, this is all speculation, and we hope some of these allegations aren't true, clearly, or all of them aren't true. Because, But I just don't know how – if you're the Rays, even if he's found innocent of all these charges, do you bring him back? I mean, it, it, yes. it's, you, you do? You yes, bring him back? Because Trevor Bauer was never convicted of anything, but he was never brought back. He was never found guilty in a court of law. Oh, so I see. I see what, he hasn't I come see back. I he see hasn't come saying. back, right? And and I mean, I'm not I'm not putting one against the other, but I'm just saying, you know, this is a guy that was signed for a long time. If you're the Rays, do you bring him back? Because even if he's there's, you know, we just talked. You just said 
you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And if there's some of these things that have happened, you know, maybe civilly they're whatever, you know, again, I hope they're all untrue because of the, just what they're talking about. But how do you bring them back? If you're the Rays, you can't. And then if you're like, okay, we'll trade them. Mm-mm. Is there a team out there? Because again, I look at Trevor Bauer's situation and say, okay, this guy won a Cy Young. He's he pitched pretty well in Japan, and we haven't talked about him for one second as being a possible free agent for a team that needs pitching. We did. We asked Bob Nightingale, and he said, up to that point, which was about <laughs> a month and a half ago, teams are not interested. So yes, you're right. There's also, I mean, there's so many factors. This is this is a disaster on a ton of fronts, right? legal side obviously the baseball side which takes you know a secondary step here in terms of what's going on but i mean there's a chance that i don't know maybe he's not even allowed back in the country based on what the allegations are there's so many factors here so wanted to lay that out there i think the one thing that we're starting to learn is at least for this coming season if you do separate what's going on in real life and our fun baseball world chances of him being a part of our baseball world at least for this coming season are Basically zero. Yes. Chances of the Rays not having Shane McClenahan in the first half of the season, which they had, you know, not having some of the injuries that they had, and now they don't have their all-star shortstop. If if you're telling me to guess, are they going to be a below 500 team? I would guess they may win 82 games. And it's that's, to me, that's a really successful season based on, how decimated their roster is getting rid of glass. Now getting rid of Shane McClanahan, getting rid of, well, not, not getting, getting rid, rid of, of him, but he's hurt. Yeah. He's, but, hurt. he's got TJ and, and not have, not having those three guys, three bona fide all-stars and they still, and I'm still saying they could be a team that wins 82 games. I would set the, I would set their over under at 82. I think that's fair. Well, I, you I, saw how they I, fell apart last year. It's kind of in the second half after their with, start, right? Because yeah. of the injuries, because of all the guys they lost, Kittredge and and all those guys, right? The they Rasmus lost in Jeffrey Springs. Yeah, I mean they lost a, ton, a more, lot of hits. Yeah, and then you know they still have a pretty good lineup: Rosarena, Paredes. I mean they still have some guys like there. Five hundred team after that huge start that yeah, they had. They exactly. So I, I just you know and they they tanked in the playoffs, so it's just it's just not a it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for the Rays. They, I know they always find a way, but this year is going to be extremely tough. Agreed. All right, one more thing to do before we. Slap hands, uh, a little bet MGM futures odds because there's been moves. There have been moves to the lines as well. So let's check it out. Look how far the Dodgers have jumped. Plus 375, your World Series favorites right now. Next up after that is Atlanta. Then the Yankees at plus 900. Then you've got teams in four figures, Houston, Texas, Philadelphia. But in my mind, I mean, the line also moves based on what's going on. With the action, I think there are a lot of people that are throwing money down on the Dodgers to win the World Series. You know, obviously injuries can happen. And we talked about this a lot right before our show closed up for a week. It's, this is not a super team sport. I'm just put it that way. So you have a favorite, but the separation there is pretty glaring, especially I would say on the National League side for Braves fans, given what they did in the regular season last year. And I know they ran into a pretty hot Philadelphia team and they didn't quite show up but whew, that's a big separation between those two almost twice as likely to win the world series on the odds right now for the dodgers over the braves i'm taking i'm taking i, I was just looking it up i want to know what the field is there's got to be odds out there for dodgers dodgers versus the field i'm still taking the field 
I'm still taking the rest of the teams. I just yeah. I just think there's I think twice as much twice as much odds for a baseball team is way different than a football team. And I know we're in the offseason and I know there's still some free agents that'll make that that line move a little bit. But that's crazy because you're not going to see the Braves sign somebody ridiculous. And the Phillies, what are they at, 1,100? I think it was plus 1,100 there. The Phillies, based on fan graphs, if you agree with fan graphs, it's not what we're deciding between. The Phillies have the best starting rotation, which I'm like, what? How is this, how is this happening? And the Dodgers still have questions in their rotation. And you need people to start every single day. I know they're going to hit a ton of dingers, and they will rival the Braves lineup. But that is some steep odds. And Todd was Todd was one of them who was saying, "Guaranteed World Series." I mean, where are the Diamondbacks? What's their number? <laughs> they won the NL last year. Yeah, I'm just like, saying, listen. I mean, the Dodgers, the Braves. The Phillies, the Yankees are the four teams that everyone's looking at going into this year because of the offseason, and they have the best odds. Texas is right there. Houston's always right there until they prove they're not. So I, I get it, but there's some other teams out there that could be sneaky good, and with the right moves, they could even sneak in there. But if you're going right now on January 2nd, the Dodgers, Yankees, Braves, Phillies are the four. Mm-hmm. I, I got to see a lot more from the Yanks, but that's just me. I think Soto's going to have a If Rodon comes back, if Rodon comes back and is healthy – it's a huge step. Sure, sure. Huge. Um, so a reminder for everyone, uh, our bonus code is FOUL, F-O-U-L, when you download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android or at BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least 10 bucks into your new account. Place your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if the bet loses. If that happens, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, so... We are still running Kratz for 2024. Good luck to EK, and you're going to have to double up sometimes, but let's slap. What do you got? Was there was there a desire for me to not do Kratz hats anymore? No, I wanted to remind everyone that it's a fresh start. I'm doubling so it up you, as as seen that's in the what video. I'm this is my this is my probably my favorite go to hat. It's my gray Iron Pigs hat. A little blackout night. Wear this with like an entire blacked out jersey. It's it's sharp. It's tough. It's tough. I like the colors. So tomorrow's show will feature. Superstar host Hannah Kaiser, finally back at it. I'll be traveling back from South America so that I get to Studio AJ for Thursday's show. Yeah, There's a chance I'm going to miss my flight right now, so I will do my best here. It's a long journey, and all the way from South America, I'm trying to remind everyone in Argentina that John Fisher is an asshole, and the he stadium. is mistreating his fans. The stadium renderings are not going well. Oh, look at that. No, they're not. Hey, happy birthday to AJ Przinski. Mm. The real birthday that passed yeah. the other day. Yeah, that was a great pick. That's a that model was, pick, AJ. I was only 17 in that picture, so I feel pretty good about myself. <laughs> yeah. With the Dude, wrist that's tape, a model pick. The baby Man, blues. Man, times have changed. I got all, look at this, no, no hair. Look at that. Gosh, dang it. The mesh jersey. 
Mm -hmm. You were definitely at the complex for that one. Gulf Coast League, baby. The Only Gulf a select Coast few of us League. can do an entire year of the Gulf Coast League and survive. <laughs> you made it. Good to see you, boys. Back at it tomorrow and every single weekday all year long. FT Live. We missed our fans. Hannah Kaiser taking over. Scott, I hope I wish you better travel than what I had getting home. So good luck. <laughs> oh damn, I wish so. it starts now. Oh, wait, except I forgot. You're flying private. I had to fly with the you know with the regular people. You're flying I private. Actually I took My a bad. PJ. I took a PJ in Argentina. We'll get to that on Friday. Right. Yeah, big flex, big flex. We'll talk Friday about it. Have fun with Hannah Kaiser tomorrow. See everyone. Hey, get in on the action with the FT fam at BetMGM. New customers use the bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for a $1,500 first bet offer. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $10 into your BetMGM Sportsbook account. Place your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if the bet loses. If that bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.